Hey everybody, so good to see you today. Happy Friday and thank you so much for, for joining us. We're super excited to see you guys here with us. Um, we've got a, uh, a really great topic coming up today and Dr. Peter Kahn is our guest and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him in just a minute. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about what we're gonna be talking about and that is strategies for immune and autoimmune support. And you know, I mean, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's concerned about their immune systems and if their immune systems are compromised or if they're strong enough. And, uh, and so I just wanna kind of set the record straight a little bit, like really help you understand the difference between you know, um, immunity, autoimmunity, what do all these things mean? And, uh, and just kind of help bring some calm and some, uh, you know, good solid data around that that you can understand. So I want to introduce you to Dr. Peter Kahn and a little bit about him. Uh, he manages patients with chronic conditions using a you know, a very comprehensive approach, just like we do. Uh, and he also incorporates functional neurology into the functional medicine. He is a board certified integrative medicine um, and functional medicine doc. He is a, a board certified chiropractic neurologist. And, um, and he created something really cool. Um, it's the Neurometabolic Integration, which is a science-based program that identifies the root causes of autoimmune and other chronic conditions. He and I really bonded and connected a couple of years ago because our approaches are very, very similar. Um, he sees people all over the country, and, um, and I hope that you really enjoy what he has to say today. He's a really good teacher, and I know he's gonna be doing some screen shares so that he can even like, you know, draw some stuff out and make it really easy for you to understand. Welcome, Peter. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much, Elena, for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and a pr privilege to be uh, speaking to your audience and your tribe. And uh, I'm hoping I can uh, just contribute to already the great work that you guys are doing with your, with your, ba with your base. Oh, thank you so much. You're such a good teacher. And, and that's why I just was so glad when I reached out to you and, and you said that you would make the time to, um, you know, to come and talk to everybody. Um, so what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to have Anne lead the discussion today. And this is going to be fun for all of us. A little bit of background. Anne, is it okay if I share? Yeah. So a, a little bit of background on Anne. She is our lead nutrition coach and she is a health coach on our team. But what you might not know about Anne is that she spent over 15 years um, as a news anchor on one of the main, I don't remember if it was CBS or NBC, I don't remember who it was. NBC. Uh, NBC. And, um, and, and she came to me about four years ago or so, and she was just not feeling well. Uh, we ended up finding that she had two different autoimmune issues going on, and we worked with her, and it changed her life. And she became so impassioned with this type of approach that she um, went to school. She went back to school so that she could get training to do this type of work to help other people. And uh, she ended up retiring from NBC um, about a year ago, and she's been working with us. And so she has some really great background with leading interviews. And so we thought it would be really fun to go ahead and let Anne lead this one today. Thank you so much, Anne. We're super excited. 
You're welcome. And I'm excited about this topic because there is a lot of fear out there in the, in the community of people with autoimmune issues that they feel they're at a much higher risk than the general public. And so I'm really interested to hear Dr. Khan, his take on that and, and just advice and tips for what we should all be doing. Great. Awesome. So, uh, should I start? <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, hi everyone, and uh, really glad to be here. And again, I, I want to talk about immune system, immune function, and autoimmunity. So, you know, as you know, autoimmune disease is where your immune system is attacking your own body. And uh, and what we know is that many people with autoimmune disease may have immune system that may not be working as well. Now, there's two camps here. You know, some people think that when you have autoimmune disease. So then your immune system is overactivated. And then therefore, wouldn't that protect you against infectious disease because your immune system is kind of in overdrive? Certainly in my clinical experience, I see people who tell me, hey, I have autoimmune disease. I have been sick. I have not been sick for like 10 years. I see that. But also you have a lot of people with autoimmune disease that are just chronically sick. Okay, so there's kind of like two scenarios that can happen here. And, uh, but in general though, I think people with autoimmune disease are going to be more susceptible because we know that when you have uh, and when you have autoimmune disease, there are things that are triggered, right? The primary things that we're really working with patients to help them is to identify the trigger, whether it's dietary protein, you know, food sensitivity is a trigger, whether it's infection is a trigger, whether it's toxicity is a trigger, whether it's stress is a trigger. So it's all about identifying a trigger. And an infection is a trigger of autoimmune activation. So that is a potential reason why people with autoimmune disease may be more susceptible or may suffer more complications from a, any infection, right? Not just COVID-19, but any type of infection. So this is something we always wanna, wanna look at. Um, I just kind of looked it up here and, and kind of looking at how coronavirus and is there any uh, people who with autoimmune disease that might be at risk, there's not any direct correlation with that, not that they have seen so far, because there hasn't any study done on just people with autoimmune disease who tested positive for COVID-19. However, uh, what I did find is an article that talked about how people with uh, you know, autoimmune disease, such as rheumatoid arthritis, may be more susceptible to just generalized infection. Part of the reason is some of these people with those type of autoimmune disease, like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, they may be on immune suppressive therapy, right? They may be taking steroids or uh, taking, uh, you know, immune suppressants. So just the medication that they're taking may be suppressing the immune system, which makes them more at risk. But then the autoimmune disease itself also can be a risk factor because they, they have these weakened immune systems. So let's talk about why that might be. And this is where I like to share screen uh, at this point. Uh, just kind of go over some basic immunology. I'm sure this is something that probably a lot of your audience kind of already know, but I think for those people who may be new to this concept, it may be a good time to just kind of share that, okay? So because once you have the basics, you can kind of like hack your own immune system, so to speak, right? I mean, that's kind of what we do every day with, with our patients. You know, uh, Elena and I, we try to solve a case, so to speak, and in solving the case, which is basic a T helper one immune system, and uh, on the other side, we have the T helper two immune system. The T helper one immune system is where you have your natural killer cells. You may have your cytotoxic T cells. And these are innate immune cells. So we'll call that the innate 
immunity, because these are things that and in macrophage is part of this as well. So these are the part of the immune system that actually go kill the bad guy. And on the other side, we have T helper two immune system. These are primarily B cells and they make antibodies, right? This is how your body, you know, these antibody will react to food, right? When we're measuring food sensitivity, we're measuring antibody to food. When we're measuring autoimmunity, we're measuring autoimmune antibody against self tissue, right? So this is B cells make antibody. So think of this as a teeter totter, meaning sometimes the T helper cells are more active, especially during the first few days of infection, right? The T helper cells are more active in the beginning because they're going to just go kill the bad guy. And then the second several days, you know, after the infection, then the T helper two system gets activated. This is called the adaptive immunity, meaning that your immune system is trying to learn who the bad guys are so you can develop antibody against that virus, against that bacteria, so you can recognize it. So the first few days, right, first hours, two days, is the T helper one. And then after a few days, days to even months, because you can develop antibody IgG that can circulate in your body for several months after an infection, so your body remember who the bad guys are. So your immune system constantly in this teeter-totter where the T helper cells go up to fight an infection and then T helper two cells afterwards will kick up to remember the infection. And then at the base of this teeter-totter, this is like the base of the teeter-totter, okay? We have your T helper threes. And these cells are what you call the T regulatory cells or we call it T reg cells, okay? These T regulatory cells basically help kind of control this. They're kind of like the dispatcher They'll dispatch the T helper one. They'll dispatch the T helper two, depending on what stage of the immune system or what stage of infection you want. So this is important to remember because when people have autoimmune disease, you're either stuck in T helper one dominant autoimmune like this, or you might be stuck in T helper two dominant autoimmune, right? Your immune system gets skewed and you're kind of stuck that way. You know, you're stuck that way and you can't change it. And that's why you're autoimmune. So this is important to know because we can actually affect this, right? There's specific nutraceuticals that we can target T helper three. There's specific nutraceuticals that can stimulate T helper one and T helper two cells. So knowing this, this is really helpful, but also can be a double-edged sword because you can kind of do the wrong things too, right? So that's why you always want to consult with Dr. Elena to make sure you're getting the right, right help. Now, I want to talk about how we can use this and how does that affect immunity? So real quickly here, and I'll get out of this kind of uh, screen share here so we can talk. So what we have is we have inflam uh, inf inflammation here. Let's just say you have inflammation, okay? And what happened? Oh, maybe I need to, we have inflammation, okay? And what happens, inflammation is a driver for autoimmunity, okay? But then autoimmunity is a driver for inflammation. So they're co-activators, meaning they cause each other. So what that means is the more autoimmune you are, the more inflamed you are. The more inflamed you are, the more autoimmune you become. So that's the vicious cycle that we need to break. Then we can say, okay, then what causes this inflammation? Well, infections can do it, right? And food sensitivities can do it. Toxicity can do it. High blood sugar can do it. So if you're diabetic or you have dysglycemia, that can be a problem. Stress can do it, right? Uh, trauma, injury, so on and so forth. So that can add to this. So always it's about working with the lifestyle 
And that's where that piece come in. But in any case, that causes inflammation. But what we know is that when you have inflammation, this can actually suppress the T helper one cells. Inflammation downregulate T helper one. Remember T helper one is your killer cells? And this is what enable you to go kill the infections. So when you have autoimmune, you get more inflamed and you have poor lifestyle that causes more inflammation. All of this is gonna cause a downregulation of your T helper one cells, which means that you can't fight off infection very well. Now, the T helper one and T helper two, they're teeter-totters, meaning when one side go down, the other side's gonna go up. So as your immune cells get suppressed, your T helper cells gonna to start to get activated. So what that means is you make more antibodies, right? And as you make more antibody, you get more sensitivity, right, to food or toxins or your, you know, dust, pollen, whatever it might be. And you get more autoimmune because you get this antibody build up against your own tissue. So you get this kind of double whammy with suppressed killer cells, which make you more susceptible to infection. And then you get more allergies. So it's kind of like this type of situation, right? At the same time, this pattern will cause another type of immune cells called T helper 17s. These are the specific type of white blood cells that actually trigger inflammation. Think of T helper 17 immune cells as like your immune system lobbing grenades. It's lobbing grenades at the bad guy, right? So when you have an infection, your body makes more T helper 17 cells. But when it, these are grenades, so they will kill the bad guy when it blows up, but it also creates collateral damage. So it can damage your own tissue. So if you have too much of this, then you get this inflammation and tissue damage. And this is the stuff that damages your tissue, right? When people have autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, these guys are the one that actually creating the cartilage damage, okay? So then when you have T helper 17 that's high because you have this pattern here, this further drives autoimmune. T helper 17 is a driver of autoimmune. And then you get more of this, and you get more of this, it becomes a vicious cycle. Okay, so by the way, this inflammation is systemic, right? You don't never have really localized inflammation. So what that means is you get brain inflammation. And brain inflammation feels like brain fog, depression, you get anxiety, you feel like memory loss, you get word loss, like those type of things, right? So th this is all kind of coming together. That's why so many people with autoimmune disease always complain of fatigue, brain fog, all this stuff. So this is kind of how, like a roadmap of how we can navigate it. So remember we have T helper three here, right? That regulate all this stuff. So let's talk about what we can do to help it. Cause I don't want to just say it's all bad. Uh, so target here, this is probably the most important thing you can target because this will help you to modulate or dampen or create more tolerance to your immune system. So thing here, things here that you can do is vitamin D3. Right, that's why we use vitamin and nutrition to help with this. Fish oil, EPA, DHA targets this. And then your glutathione targets this. So there's targets here. So if you load up on these things, that can help you to kind of get this teeter-totter more balanced. Okay? And then things for the killer cells, then we can do things like, you know, your betalin, Chinese skullcap is an herb that can stimulate the killer cells. Echinacea can do it, right? So these are immune boosting herbs. Your astragalus can do it. So th these are targets. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things on this side that can do this, but 
just giving you some example that there's things you can do to stimulate the killer cells to improve that function. And there are things we can do to dampen this side to make it come down more. So things like quercetin, which is a bioflavonoid, is great for that, okay? Perella, which is another herb, can help with that. So there's a bunch of stuff that you can do to dampen this, but in any case, there, there are things that you can do to target these things, things that you can do to kind of dampen this T helper 17, uh, and, and really part of this is also IL-6, which is an inflammatory cytokine. So that's where like your turmeric comes in, right? This is where even zinc, you know, has been shown to inhibit IL-6, which is an inflammatory cytokine. So I'm just showing you, and this is something you, you work with, you work with Dr. Elena, she's gonna help you with all of this and customize it and do tests and figure it out for you. But this is kind of what, you know, this is all out there and we're working on the same thing. So by understanding this, hopefully I, I contributed to you guys by just giving you a more graphical understanding of it. And, 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 and when you see this visually, you see, oh, we can kind of play with it and, and balance it and then create a better outcome. So let me just get out of this and stop my sharing. Okay, so with that said, how does this relate to this COVID-19? Again, when you have an infection, you can trigger an inflammatory response. In fact, the reason why people get complications from COVID-19 is not the virus itself, but the oxidative stress and the inflammation that result from the infection. So there are studies that's coming out of China uh, that shows vitamin C is very helpful in reducing reactive you know, oxygen species and oxidative stress. So obviously high dose vitamin C will be very helpful. Of course, the studies that they've done is all IV vitamin C, but that doesn't mean you can't take oral vitamin C, right? Just, just load up on it build up to bowel tolerance, and that can be something that's very helpful. Uh, we talked about zinc, that can help with this dampening the interleukin-6, which is part of that autoimmune pathway, but zinc happens to also be very helpful for you know, viral infections. So like C and zinc will be something that could be a candidate here for just prevention and it just help you with overall health. We're not saying these things treat COVID-19, we're saying that we're just trying to improve your immune function so you're less you know, likely to be compromised. Uh, vitamin D, as I, we talked about here, very important for that T helper three, T regulatory cell to build up immune tolerance to autoimmune, but also can help you boost immune function as well. So vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc, those are just really, really simple things, right, that, that we can do. I would add glutathione in there. Glutathione can definitely help uh, with T-Rex cell function. It's an antioxidant in its own right. So those are simple things that you can do to help support that. And remember, the biggest thing with, with these virus and autoimmune connection that I wanna kind of bring out today is the fact that chronic inflammation dampens T helper one response. And that makes you more susceptible to virus of any kind, not just COVID-19. So we see, you know, I see in my experience, I see a lot of people with chronic autoimmune disease. You know, these people will have, heck, you know, herpes, Epstein-Barr, cytomegalovirus, I mean, that my, the record for me was six viruses positive on the test, right? Not for me, but for my patient, right? That I was like, wow, you know, so there's a lot of people who's walking around with a lot of viruses that I don't even know. Now, when you have six virus positive, it's not that you caught six viruses, it's your immune system can't fight off the virus, right? Because you have this T helper one suppression. So what we want to do is we want to support that, that, that process and that pathway, okay? So... Hopefully that, that helps and uh, I'm, I'm open to any feedback or, or questions at, at this point. 
Dr. Khan, thank you for the visuals. It was, it was really helpful to kind of see that drawn out and to see how the immune system functions. And, you know, Dr. Khan is going to be answering some questions. So down at the bottom of your Zoom window, you do have the chat function, the chat box. So if you have questions, go ahead and start putting those in the chat box and we'll get to some of those in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you about a few things, Dr. Khan. For, for someone who has autoimmune issues, seeing that diagram and, and, and the sort of catch-22 between autoimmune and inflammation and the back and forth, obviously getting a handle on autoimmune issues is something that takes time. It's not going to happen overnight by just starting to take supplements. And, and you know, we go through with our clients changes to all different sorts of things in lifestyle. What do you do with your clients aside from just supplementation? And what do you recommend to those who are listening who may be dealing with autoimmune issues and, and not seeing a health coach or a doctor and getting help with that? What do you recommend are some steps that they start taking right now in lifestyle as far as change goes? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the two foundational things that, that I work with, you know, and the, the great thing about functional medicines is that there's multiple, multiple ways to skin the cat, right? There's not like your way is the only way because as we understand physiology, we can go about it different ways and still get to the end result. So what I do with my patients a lot of times is starting with the foundations, which means I start with making sure that they can deliver fuel, right? Fuel delivery is really important. So meaning if somebody is anemic, I mean, forget about it. Like nothing else is going to work, right? You can give them hormones. You can get, you can do all the stuff, but if they're anemic, they don't, they can't carry oxygen. Forget about fighting an infection. Forget about making neurotransmitters. Like it ain't going to work, right? So that's kind of like if you're, if you're choked off, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're doing to, to like, you know, your skin, or whatever, you got to make sure your oxygen's coming. So I, I make sure I screen for anemia. If people have poor circulation, you got to make sure you work on that. And then if their blood sugar sucks, you got to work on that because your blood sugar determines availability of fuel. So if you have hypoglycemia, I mean, a lot of time that's just as bad as high blood sugar. They're both bad. High blood sugar and, both, and low blood sugar both means that the glucose can't get to the cell. Right? Both of them mean exactly the same thing. So the first thing I would do for people who's not working with somebody they can start doing now is just stabilizing the blood sugar. Right? And that comes from you know, eating a lower glycemic diet, cut out the refined carbs, getting more fiber, more healthy fat, and really simple stuff. Most people know this, they're just not implementing it, right? And that's why working with a health coach is really helpful. It's kind of like, I know how to work out, but heck, if I have a trainer that kind of gives me accountability, that works better, right? So I can even benefit from working with a trainer, even though I know a lot about exercise. So people can benefit from working with Dr. Elena and all the wonderful team members because that helps them give them that accountability, right? So, so again, diet change, blood sugar stabilization, and then obviously cutting out reactive foods. And, and if you don't do food sensitivity, you can just, if you don't do food sensitivity testing, you can start out with gluten and dairy and just the major stuff, or go paleo, or even AIP if you really want to push it. So cutting out some basic reactive food will be a starting point for people, right? So that, that's where I will start. And other lifestyle things that I commonly do with people um, is, you know, exercise, right? And with exercise, they have to exercise to their tolerance. You know, they're really adrenal fatigue or they're really fragile. You start with where they are, you know, what they can do, you know? So it could be just walking, it could be just yoga. 
but then as they get better, then I, I usually push them to do high intensity stuff. I love weight training. So I really get people to do weight training, you know, so, but that's later on, but they should exercise. And then other lifestyle things, I, I really get people to do meditation. You know, I'm really big on meditation. I, I really feel like that's a, a kind of like a really underutilized tool. And, uh, and it's so simple, doesn't cost any money. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people kind of make too much of a big deal out of it. I mean, like, well, you know, it takes too much time or I don't know how to sit properly. I mean, just, just do it. Right. So without going into too, too much, but those are the basic things that I, I think people can do. Another thing that I think a lot of people that, that I do is I, I really look at brain function. So a lot of people have compromised vagus nerve function. So I look at the vagus nerve function a lot. And I also look at just really, you know, overall cortical function. You know, I try to find out they're more left brain deficient or right brain deficient because we know that the left brain stimulate T helper one response. The right brain stimulate more T helper two response. Now that's not a, like a switch or a direct wire where you pull that, it's going to do that. But there's definitely that predilection for left brain to push T helper one and right brain to push T helper two. So in people with a, you know, a T, T helper two dominant situation, we might see that their right brain is more amped up and the left brain's not working as well. And the left brain is kind of like your linear brain. It's a part of the brain that kind of processes linear information and details. So these people might, you know, have a harder time with details and, and, and remembering things, maybe word loss because the brocus area is the left side of the brain. So as the left brain function goes down, then they, they may get more word loss, right? So we'll see that those kind of pattern and we, we may have them do specific exercises to stimulate the right brain versus the right left brain. So, you know, that's maybe a little bit more, you know, advanced, you know, when we work with people, but, I think if you start with fuel delivery and cutting out reactive food uh, and, and just, you know, managing stress, you know, managing stress such as like kind of played out word, you know, manage stress. I've heard that before, but like, are we doing it? Right. So that's where I will start. Wonderful suggestions. And, and, you know, for a lot of people who are watching, who, who may not be implementing these things into your life, now is the perfect time to start. I mean, we have no idea how long our, our nation is gonna be, our world is gonna be dealing with this virus. So now is the perfect time to use your spare time at home to start doing some of those workouts, to start taking a really good look at your diet and your food and what you're eating. And I really like that you mentioned a lot of the supplements that can be used. We've also been talking about those same supplements and recommending those to our clients. And, and I want to bring in Dr. Ashley for a moment because she has a background in Chinese medicine. And, and one of the big issues out there is that a lot of these supplements, the really high quality ones anyway, are sold out in a lot of places. And you have some people scrambling to try to get supplements. But Dr. Ashley, you may be able to rec uh, recommend some herbs and some natural things that could be used in place of supplements, right? Sure. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so there are actually quite a lot of things that have been studied for this because there's been so much research and data from China. Um, a lot of the formulas we use um, have been used, and I think that they've said that even 85% of the patients in China were on Chinese formulas as well. So. Um, there's actually been quite a bit of data and there are things that people can do at different stages. Right now we focus a lot on prevention um, and if someone gets the more mild type version because um, that's something that is where we have a lot of room to work with. Once you know you've really gotten into the kind of 
very serious um, cytokine storms, it's kind of a different situation and that person is in the hospital. So they're not really gonna be administering Chinese herbs and supplements. They're kind of out of our realm at that point. But um, for prevention, a couple of things that I love on what they've been using are licorice, ginger, and cinnamon. So you can make these into a tea and drink this every day. Um, one thing that's very interesting about this virus in general it is it's pretty much considered a damp cold toxin. So for someone that's in Chinese medicine, basically we categorize things as in forms of hot or cold and where it lodges in the body, what organ. So we want things that are gonna be warming and dissolving phlegm. So we focus a lot too, the organs predominantly associated with this are the lung and the spleen. So the lung makes sense to everybody because that's where it's attacking, but people don't realize that the spleen, which deals with your digestion and how we process foods and food sensitivities, that's actually the originator of a lot of where phlegm gets produced. So again, the spleen um, deals a lot with, they say that the spleen makes the phlegm and the lung is the container of the phlegm. So we want foods that are warming, um, moving and phlegm resolving. So again, a lot of the things that you've been talking about, reducing um, foods that you're sensitive to, a lot of times, your body makes phlegm and that's kind of part of the inflammatory response from the Chinese perspective. So again, licorice is really great for that ginger. Um, one of the medicinal mushrooms, reishi is really great for that. Again, this is all Chinese theory, but you can get reishi tincture a lot of places and people aren't picking that up quite as much. Um, same with the cordyceps. Cordyceps is one like that, that really strengthens your lung chi. And you, I think everyone's mentioned a bit astragalus. That's a really common herb we use in Chinese medicine. You can find it in tincture. You can even add it to that tea. Um, you would need to boil it a little bit because it looks kind of like a tongue depressor. Um, and then we have a couple formulas that I love that again, in China, a lot of these are sold out, but you can still get them here a bit. One is called Yuping Fong Sun, which is, it's called Jade Windscreen Formula. So it's point is to actually put a barrier between you and a virus. So that's what it acts as, is a protectant for your whole system. So they call it the jade windscreen. And then my favorite one for all of those people who are getting the, that first, um, the first symptoms of sore throat and a little bit of that low-grade fever, it's called yin chow san and a lot of people i think have heard of it i'm not sure but it's really common it's sold a lot of places and it's for that sore throat that again that if the things that people have been reading that's what we're trying to knock out right away if someone has that the symptoms the first four days are pretty crucial these two formulas one you can keep as a preventative the second one you can keep on hand in case you start to get any symptoms and then you just knock this out as soon as you can Awesome. Is that helpful? <laughs> yeah, thank you for that, Dr. Ashley. It's really helpful to have some alternatives in case you can't find what you're looking for when it comes to supplements. Um, Dr. Khan, I want to get back to you. We have a few questions here that are starting to come into the chat. So let's get to some of these questions. And again, anyone else, if you have questions, start putting them here in the chat box and we'll get to as many as we can. So let me ask this first one, Dr. Khan, for you. What is the best way to stop an acute cytokine storm due to a dysregulated immune system that manifests in mild to pretty extreme encephalitis? 
so that's a great question. So acute cytokine storm is actually a medical emergency. That's basically, it manifests as sepsis. Okay, so acute cytokine storm in the strictest sense, if you're gonna say cytokine storm, from a medical terminology, that's like an acute situation. People are usually end up in the hospital, right? When you have sepsis, people are not coming to us, right? If you have COVID and you're like, end up in the hospital because you have severe symptoms, they're not, you're, you're like in medical care at that point. So you don't really stop an acute cytokine storm because by then you're going somewhere else, right? So now, but then the question is, why do you have a cytokine storm? You know, typically it's because your immune system is so ramped up against an infection that this inflammatory response is spiked up so high, that's why you get that. So, so what can we do to prevent that from even happening? Well, you know, if it's, we're talking about infection, then it's about not getting an infection in the first place, right? So that's why washing the hands and don't touch your face, all that stuff is great advice. And I think uh, it's kind of like washing your hands. Like, were people not washing their hands before? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, and then the, uh, so in, in mild to extreme encephalitis. So again, I mean, if you have encephalitis, that's mild. I mean, I, I don't know, that's not something that I see in my practice, right? And, and mild to extreme, that, that, that's a pretty big spectrum. So in, in any case, if you have encephalitis that's diagnosed, you're already probably at the medical care realm there. So that's, that's what I would say to that. But if you have increased cytokines, like people who have inflammation and autoimmune, that's what we deal with in our practice. What can we do with that? Again, some of the things that I talked about earlier, right? So you can turmeric and resveratrol can dampen that inflammatory response. You have glutathione, vitamin D, you know, fish oil can help with T-reg cell function. You might wanna play with that T-helper two, T-helper one situation, because I think that's kind of missed a lot of times, because we're just worried about modulation and inflammation, but if we don't get that immune system back into balance, that can be a problem. Another thing I want to mention is that in neurology, we talk about neuroplasticity, meaning your, you know, your body, your brain can actually develop these pathways, meaning the more you stimulate that pathway, the more that pathway becomes deepened and becomes more efficient. So this is how you learn something, right? It's by developing plasticity. But guess what? You can develop plasticity in your immune system as well. Meaning the more your T helper one suppressed, T helper two is amplified, the more you get stuck that way, you develop plasticity in that immune pathway. So then that becomes like your pattern. And so it becomes very difficult to bring it back. So it becomes a process of gradually bringing things back and you have to kind of untangle things, you know, addressing the lifestyle things, the triggers, you know, all that that I just kind of showed you on the graph. Yeah, um, and, and I just wanted to, to add to that. It's, it's really important, and I think, that, I think that people are actually seeing this now. Um, you know, the necessity to put your health first, and you're going to hear me say this every time, and it's just like it's hard for me to not even say this over and over again. You know, so many people will have autoimmune issues that they're just living with. And typically, you know, the majority of the population, they just take pharmaceuticals to suppress the symptoms. Well, what's happening is that you're not fixing the underlying problem. And so when something like this comes along, which none of us ever saw this coming, then, um, you know, you could be more susceptible because you already have 
a massive, you know, you already have a massive inflammatory, you know, issue in your body anyways. Your immune system is completely dysregulated. Um, you know, and then, and then what are you going to do when something like this comes along? You're not going to have the resiliency that let's say Anne would have. Anne had two autoimmune issues. She's resolved her issues. She doesn't have inflammation in her body. Her body is resilient. Her immune system is resilient. Her immune system is balanced, right? And so, and so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, that Dr. Peter and I and our team you know, that's the stuff that we want to see you before we go into some sort of emergency situation like this. You know, if you're having a cytokine storm, you're not seeing us, you're in the hospital, you know, and they're trying to keep you from dying. You know, I mean, that's pretty, pretty serious stuff. But we want to, we want to teach you guys and show you the importance of, 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 of why we need to have a paradigm shift in the way that we approach our health and our health care. We need to stop being reactive and we need to start being proactive about it. So uh, yeah, just wanted to chime in on that. Awesome points, Dr. B. And you're absolutely right. Back before I saw you, I remember always getting sick. Every two months or so, I had some new virus or new cold. And it was, I knew, well, I didn't know at the time, but I know now that my immune system was really suffering because I wasn't dealing with the autoimmune issues that I didn't know I had. Um, but handling those issues and actually getting back to a healthy place really does a lot to boost your immune system. And, and you're able to fend off things that come your way with no problem. So you're absolutely right when you say, now is the perfect time to start. Um, be, a, be a prepper. Be yeah. a prepper with your immune system. <laughs> exactly. Right. I love that. Love that. So we have a few more questions here, and I want to. Um, this one is about food. Maybe Dr. Tori can can chime in and answer this one. Which foods are best to boost the immune system? Uh, which foods are good sources of zinc, vitamins, and glutathione? I love that question because I'm sure the whole team can attest to the panic around supplements and this, um, what do we do to, uh, you know, get every supplement and right now you can't get certain things. Zinc is really hard to find. Vitamin C is hard to find. Even vitamin D is getting a little, a little trickier. And so using food as your, you know, immune boosting key is, is the best thing you could do and it will keep your immune system strong. So you want to eat, you know, this anti-inflammatory, heavy vegetable diet. That is the best advice we could give you. When you're eating a plethora of colorful vegetables, you're getting tons of zinc and iron and um, vitamin C, vitamin D. So eating well will keep you going. But if you really want to target certain supplements or certain vitamins, you can, you know, to get zinc, you're looking at your legumes. So you're looking at chickpeas and beans and lentils. Those are going to be really high in zinc. Beef is also pretty high in zinc as well. So eating, you know, different varieties of those will keep your zinc up. When you're looking at vitamin D, the easiest way is go outside in the sun and you need to go out and get sun for, you know, about 10 minutes with no sunscreen on. It needs to get directly onto your skin. So go outside, get some sunshine, walk around, and that will help boost your vitamin D. But if you're looking for food, your fish, um, your cod liver oil, that's going to have vitamin D in it as well. Vitamin C, look for those colors. You're going to look for those bright yellows, those bright oranges, your bell peppers, your squash, your grapefruit. Those are going to have a lot of vitamin C in it, as well as a million other, you know, vitamins and minerals. 
and then glutathione you can you can get it from food you can get the precursors in food things like asparagus broccoli that those kind of greens but my favorite way and this is no secret to anyone is to do coffee enemas they stimulate glutathione production like no supplement and no food so that is my you know my two cents on that but eat, eat a plethora of vegetables and your immune system will be fine. You, will, you won't get sick really, and you'll notice that if you do, your time of getting sick will be so much shorter. So if you eat well, your body will have what it needs to take care of you. Wonderful, awesome advice, Tori. And yeah, we tell our clients all the time, eat the rainbow, include as much variety as you can. That really helps boost the gut, it helps boost your microbiome, and, and make your body stronger and able to, to fend off a lot of these viruses. Um, Dr. Khan, I want to go back to you. We have a couple more questions coming in. Um, and this one's from Laura. Does a positive ANA test result always indicate an autoimmune problem? Uh, so ANA or anti-nuclear antibody. So just think about that, right? What, what does that mean? Anti-nuclear antibody. That means you have immune system attacking the nucleus, right? Which is in your DNA. So you have your immune system attacking the nucleus. And what do you have nucleus? Well, you have nucleus in every single cell in your body. So having positive MNA means that your immune system is attacking the nucleus, attacking your cell. Now, is that always autoimmune? Not necessarily, because you can have inflammation, so your cell just break apart because you have inflammation, and then so your immune system would develop antibody to the DNA that's leaking out of the damaged cell as a sign of cleaning up that inflammation. So Positive ANA antibody is not always indicative autoimmune problem. It just means that you have inflammation. So then you have to correlate. You have to run other tests to confirm whether you have autoimmune to, to, to your tissue. Wonderful. And the second part to that question from Laura, which a couple of other people have also asked about this, and I'll invite anyone to chime in who from the panel who wants to answer this. But um, we've been hearing a lot about elderberry syrup as an immune booster. Is this effective? And if so, where do you suggest getting it? And then later on, someone else mentioned that they've heard that elderberry syrup is actually not suggested during COVID. Um, anybody who can kind of clear that up for our listeners? Yeah, somebody just put out an article. You know, it's been online. A couple of places already reposted it. Basically, it's just kind of dissecting where that claim that elderberry may be causing problems. Because elderberry does help. It does have benefit. You know, and it, is it the main player? I think in this time, I think, you know, there's obviously things that are like five stars, like I will go for first, like vitamin C and zinc and, and stuff like that. Elderberry will be there, but it wouldn't be like my first go-to. So if you couldn't find elderberry, like do the C and zinc first, and then, you know, maybe the elderberry later. But, you know, uh, the problem with the, the, the study that says elderberry may cause problems because they say that it can increase cytokines. So then that's where the, they're talking about a cytokine storm and, but, the, you know, people with cytokine storm have such high level of cytokine than normal people that, that the release, you know, the increase in, in cytokine from taking elderberry is really, doesn't really even compare to that. And, and so there's some flaw or the, the method of how they reported it is not correct. So I think it's overblown. So yes, you can take elderberry. I don't think it's going to cause problem. Um, and uh, where do you get it? I don't know. <laughs> Whole Foods, <laughs> Amazon. Uh, I, I, anybody else have any input on that? Um, yeah. So um, 
you know, even Fullscript has it, um, and that's the online pharmacy that we use. However, you know, as I say that they have it, they may be out of stuff. A, a lot of places, it's getting very, very hard to find supplements right now. Um, so my suggestion is wherever your source is, just check every day, maybe check different times of the day. Um, on, on Sunday, um, I went online to find a, a mineral complex that has an, you know, a, th a more therapeutic dose of, um, of, of zinc uh, and selenium and iodine all combined so that I you know, don't have to have three separate bottles of stuff. And I'd been looking for it for two weeks and they were out. On Sunday, they had a few bottles. I didn't know how many, but I bought three for myself, then jumped back into um, a patient's account to order some for them and it when they were out. So, you know, go back to your foods. Nothing, you know, nothing can replace eating a good, healthy diet. You can't out supplement, a, you know, a bad diet. So if you can't find the supplements, don't panic because that's just going to cause more problems with your immune function and your inflammatory issues. You know, do your meditation and go to the store and buy yourself some fresh produce. It's been really interesting that um, a lot of the stores are out of all of the garbage food. They're out of the garbage food, but you go to the produce section and it's packed full of food. And that's what you want right now. You have an advantage because you're hearing from the experts what you need to be eating and, and you know, where everybody else is going out and they're buying all of the frozen meals. They're buying bread. They're buying like one person I saw at the store bought like six gallons of milk. Well, why would you do that? That's just going to make so much more inflammation in your body. And it's not even a shelf sustainable product. So, um, you know, if you can't find the supplements, just keep looking, but don't panic about it. And in the meantime, you know, be sure that you're eating foods that are going to be nutrient dense and give you the specific uh, vitamins and minerals that your body is needing. Wonderful. I love that. And you're, you're absolutely right in that we're seeing things come back into stock here and there. Um, stores are starting to catch up. So, so keep checking full script for those items that were back ordered. I got lucky the other day and vitamin C was back in stock for a day or so and I was able to order some, but then it went out again. So just keep checking um, as things are getting, getting restocked uh, here and there. So uh, our next question is from, let's see, from Tracy. And this is an interesting question. Why do some people with autoimmune symptoms not get sick with viruses? Uh, well, I'll take that one. You know, I, I opened up today's session with the fact that I see two patterns. Some people with autoimmune have an overactive immune system. And then so the assumption is that they should be able to fight off virus better. And some people, clients do tell me that, hey, I haven't been sick in years and they have autoimmune disease, presumably because their immune system is activated. So they just don't, you know, have problem. But more often than not, though, I see people with chronic autoimmune that have chronic inflammation and that inflammation tend to suppress T helper one cells. And of course, nobody, uh, not everybody present the same way, you know, you know, I just wish patients would read the textbook and then come to me so they can present the same way as the textbook, but that's not how it works. So, you know, some people don't get sick. I think, you know, and I don't have scientific proof or references I can give you just clinical experience shows me that some people with autoimmune don't get sick that often. I think the majority of them, though, have chronic immune suppression to where they have multiple various infection, virus, candida, 
bunch of different stuff that's going on that's really causing them problems. Oh, very good. Uh, we have a couple more questions. So if anyone wants to get in any last minute questions, now's the time to go ahead and type those into the chat box. Um, this one is from Judy. She's asking if we have any information if lichen sclerosis can be reversed with a nutritional diet or if it's permanent and just managed. So lichen sclerosis is an autoimmune disease. As with all autoimmune disease, uh, you, there's no cure, meaning we can't officially say cure, right? What we do is we manage it. We put it into remission, but if you do, if you do it really well and you put it into remission and therefore all your symptom resolve and your quality of life improves dramatically, I mean, isn't that just the same thing, right? And so the reason we can't say cure, because let's say, for example, someone with celiac disease, they, they stop eating gluten, the villus atrophy go away, and the villus, villus grow back, and their, their tummy pain goes away. Does that mean they're cured? No, because as soon as they eat gluten again, villus atrophy happens and they feel terrible again, right? So you don't cure, you manage it. But if you learn how to manage it and do it really well and do it for the rest of your life, yeah. you're going to have a much better outcome. So lichen sclerosis, it's not like, can it be reversed? Yeah, you can reverse the symptom of it. You can improve it. Uh, but it's all about identifying the trigger. Like I said, in the top of this session, it's all about the triggers, right? It's all about managing the triggers. So you have to identify them and find out what they are and, and you have to learn how to play with it. Okay. So it's, it's not like there's a, a diet or a magic pill for it. It's just how the body heals, you know? So if you're out of shape, you might have to exercise and the exercise that does best for you may be different for somebody else. And you may also have to eat differently. You may have to manage your stress, just like anything else with your health. It's not just one thing, it's, it's a holistic issue. And I would just like to add too about, you know, maybe also um, a part of it is, you know, changing the way that we think about disease um, and, you know, cause and disease effect. Because, you know, we can say that, well, we can't cure it, but we can manage it. But let's just maybe think about it a little bit different. Let's wrap our heads around this for a minute. What if we just stop putting poisons in our bodies? You know, gluten is a poison to a lot of people. Um, all of the uh, pesticides and environmental toxins that are in our environment that many people, I mean, babies are born with over a hundred of these toxins in their bodies now. That's scary. I mean, the number is higher than that, but, but um, you know, like, why don't we just look at it that way? If we stop putting poison in our body, we're not gonna develop into these disease processes anyway. If we give our body what it needs from the time of birth, and we take care of our bodies, mind, body, spirit, if we give our body what it needs, just like if you give a plant what it needs, the plant is going to flourish and it's gonna give you fruit year after year. And it's gonna last for years and years, right? These trees and these plants that bear fruit for us. If you start putting poisons in their soil, right? Um, or you, and you're depleting them of the nutrients that they need, including sunshine and clean air, right? Like there's going to be a problem. We're very similar to plants. And so, you know, that's just something just to, you know, just to think about because Dr. Khan, as I'm hearing you say this, I'm thinking, well, that's absolutely true. Like we can't say that there's an actual cure, but why would we put the poisons in our bodies in the first place? And I think for people to become more aware 
of the all of the negative things that are in our environment and in our lifestyles that are impacting us and causing us to be sick in the first place. If we can just become more aware and more accepting of what we've been doing that made us sick in the first place, then, you know, that's just a whole different approach, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Be, be proactive, right? Don't get bogged down with a diagnosis. Be more proactive with the things that you can do on a lifestyle basis. So even though we say you can't cure, you manage, but how do you manage? Well, you manage by not putting poison in your body, as Dr. V says. And, and that's, you know, and, and that's diet, nutrition, emotional poison, right? Physical poison, meaning not moving, you know, all these things. That's awesome. I love those answers and, and especially the whole point you both are making on mindset because when someone is diagnosed with autoimmune disease, it, it, is, it does take a mind shift change to realize that you are going to have to manage this for the rest of your life. It's not something you're going to do for a year or two years until you're quote unquote better. It's something you're going to have to maintain if you want to stay healthy. So that's, that's a wonderful point. A couple of other questions. This one comes from Steph, and she's asking if there are any supplements she should be avoiding if she has a severe case of Hashimoto's, Raynaud's, and CMV. So, you know, earlier I mentioned T Helper 1 and T Helper 2 immune system, and then certain supplement that can promote T Helper 1 function, certain supplement that can promote T Helper 2 function. And I, but I also said that most of the time we see people with a suppressed T helper one, although not everybody followed the textbook. So you'll have people that will take something that will stimulate T helper one like echinacea and do just fine. And another person take echinacea and they get really flared up. So we don't know, right? Meaning everybody's different and there's not a reliable way to test T helper one, T helper two response on blood tests just yet, because even though you can do blood tests for these cytokines, the problem is that these cytokines, primarily act and live in the lymph nodes. So when you do a blood test, you're measuring circulating serum levels of these cytokines, and that's not really a true indicator of what's actually going on in your lymph node, which is what these things are, where these things are happening. So unfortunately, we can't really measure it at this time. So, then, so what can we do then? Well, then either you, you have to do a trial, so always work with a healthcare professional like Dr. V so they can help you. you can, take something and see your response. And if you don't do well, then that can tell you like, okay, that's probably the, not what you should be doing. Or you can just stay away from it, right? You can just work on the T-Rex cells, you know, like glutathione, just modulate and build tolerance and work on the triggers. I mean, for many years, I never even touched T-Helper 1, T-Helper 2 immune stuff. Like I just don't even give it to people because I don't want to risk making people feel worse. But I, we still got good results just working on nutrition, lifestyle, and modulating and building immune tolerance. So you don't necessarily have to worry about that. Okay. So if you want to, what do you avoid? Well, you may, if you are very fragile, very sensitive, you might want to avoid immune boosting supplements like echinacea and astragalus, or, or you can do a trial and see how you tolerate it. If you don't tolerate it well, then just stay away. Uh, the only caveat I would say is if you have neurological autoimmune, you want to be more careful. Like if you have MS, you don't want to just go try stuff willy-nilly and see how you do because then you can trigger autoimmune to brain and you lose more brain tissue and you don't get those back. So along the same lines here, Magda's asking if she has Hashimoto's, she's heard that she should not take iodine, if we can comment on that. So yes, there's a lot of studies, you know, population studies where they go in and, you know, places like Sri Lanka and Middle East, you know, where 
these places just don't have iodine in the diet. It's not, they don't have, they don't fortify their, their salt with iodine and they don't have, you know, they're far from, you know, seafood. So, and so everybody walk around with a goiter, right? Goiter's kind of pandemic there. And then they've done studies where they go in and supplement everybody with iodine and see if they can reduce goiter and turn out goiter go way down, but Hashimoto go way up. And there's like a lot of study that shows that. So I think people with Hashimoto have to be careful with iodine because it can be a trigger for autoimmune flare-up. Does that mean every single person with Hashimoto flare with iodine? No, kind of like not every single person with Hashimoto or autoimmune disease will react to T helper one support. So it's kind of like it's hit or miss. I usually avoid iodine for my patients with Hashimoto. I just like, I don't want to go there. I first do no harm. There's so many other things we can work on, like improving nutritional status, blood sugar, fuel delivery, right? There's so many things we could do that doesn't mess with that. So why go there? So I don't usually go there. So that's, that's my opinion, but you have a lot of other doctor who have a different opinion and they recommend iodine for everybody with, with low thyroid. You know, taking iodine can kind of in, increase thyroid function. Now you say, is that always good? Depends, right? If you have Hashimoto and you increase thyroid function, then you're just asking for autoimmune reactivity to the thyroid because that's, that TPO enzyme is what the immune system reacts to many times. So if you take iodine, it increases TPO activity, which is what helps you make thyroid hormone. But then if you have autoimmune to TPO, you jack that function up and you get more autoimmune to that. So that's kind of how, how that can play out. So I just don't even use iodine and we still get, get, get a good result. So it's kind of up to you, you know, in individual cases, you have to kind of see what your predilection is. Wonderful. Um, this question comes from Judy and, and earlier on, um, doctor, you mentioned candida. She's asking about candida and what she should specifically take for that. She has two months of supplements. Talk a little bit about why candida is one of those underlying causes of, of autoimmune disease in some cases and how someone goes about treating that. Yeah. And I, I will say this, you know, a lot of different people have different thoughts on why people have candida, right? And just so you know, most of the candida is commensal. You know, our body naturally has yeast and it's part of our normal flora. So the only reason the candida is a problem is because it's overgrowing. And why is it overgrowing? Either due to immune compromise, right? People with immune compromise or HIV, then they get yeast overgrowth. Or you have gut microbiome issue, dysbiosis that's causing that. And then heavy metal toxicity is another like lesser known thing, but it's definitely if you have toxicity, then candida can store metals. But then also I think just the toxins is an immune suppressant, right? It suppresses your immune system. So that makes it more likely you get the yeast. And then another mechanism will be like brain, you know, just low motility. You know, if you have decreased brain function, therefore decreased vagal innervation. So you're not getting that nerve innervation to the gut. You know, if your gut's not moving, food's sitting there, you're going to get fermentation through bacteria or fungus. So you get SIBO or SIPO. So, you know, you have to look at all of it. So it's not necessarily about killing the candida, right? It's not like you just go in and throw a grenade in a trash can, blow everything up, you're going to be fine. It's more like, why is there bugs in there in the first place? And try to address that. That doesn't mean you can't take Candida Forte or some kind of candida treatment or caprylic acid to temporarily inhibit it so you feel better and, and you decrease that cytokine load, right? Remember the infections, whether bacteria, virus, whatever, can be a source of that, adding to that fuel, the inflammation, and you have autoimmune, that inflammation can trigger autoimmune, then autoimmune triggers more inflammation, that all gonna kind of skew your immune function. So yes, there's a time and place for getting rid of candida, 
but you want to look beyond just killing candida, right? You want to look at, okay, why are, why are they in the, there in the first place and do as many things you can to correct those underlying root cause of candida. Meaning candida is not the root cause of the problem. There's a root cause of the root cause of the root cause. So the deeper we can get, the better. But sometimes we have to peel off the layers of onion. So we may have to get rid of candida first, but then you got to go deeper with that. Yeah, and you know, if you, if you don't really focus on finding what the real primary root causes are, the candida is always going to come back. And I like to use the example of a garden or your lawn, right? If you have a really healthy lawn, let's say Bermuda grass down in the south, that's what everybody grows in their front lawns. And if, if your front lawn is healthy and it has the right ecosystem and, and that Bermuda grass is really just super, super thick in your lawn, it's not going to allow the weeds to come out and overgrow and take over your entire lawn. You may have one weed pop up here and there. And I mean, and that's inevitable. So we would, we would call that like, a, you know, Let's say that that's analogous or, you know, similar to a healthy gut microbiome. You'll have some candida there, but, you know, all of the good bacteria and all of the good stuff going on in your gut is counteracting and not allowing the candida or the weeds to overgrow. But in a lawn, let's say that you start to have, somehow you get some sort of infestation of grub worms. And then now you start having these yellow patches of dead Bermuda grass in your yard what starts popping up in place of the dead Bermuda grass? Because now that ecosystem is gone. The weeds start really going crazy. And you can keep, you know, killing the weeds and pulling the weeds and killing the weeds and pulling the weeds, and they're going to keep coming back until you go deeper and you address the grub worms, right? And so, you know, I like to use that analogy because some people spend a lot of time outside in their, in their yard trying to keep their yard looking nice and stuff like that. And so, you know, if you look at it that way and you just go a little bit deeper, like Dr. Khan said, and you really focus on, okay, what's, what's allowing the candida to overgrow and you start addressing that, not only are you going to have long-term results of keeping candida in check, but you're also going to be able to get rid of a lot of the other symptoms that were um, coming along you know, uh, that we're tagging along with the other, you know, real underlying causes. Wonderful. We have a couple more questions uh, from Tracy. She asks, would supplements that are directly designed to address and lower inflammation in the body be useful during this time? During this time of coronavirus? Is that what the question is? I'm assuming, yes. Uh, if you have inflammation, then lowering inflammation will always help you, right? So it's not really about lowering inflammation to treat coronavirus or lowering or doing something to treat something. See, like, I think our paradigm has to shift, like, as Dr. V said, you know, we're always, we're so brainwashed into thinking like, what's the diagnosis and what's the, the treatment, right? What's the antidote, you know, what's something to, to treat that thing. And I think we have to look at it more holistically, right? Remember, in the body, it's not about, you know, okay, this will just always do that, right? It's always about you're adding things into this ecosystem, as Dr. V said, to increase the probability of something happening in your body, right? Kind of like the Bermuda grass example she gave, you know? So we're trying to increase the probability that you have a good ecosystem overall, holistically, but something's always going to pop up. But if you do the right things majority of the time, then you're going to have a higher probability of 
a better epigenetic expression, right? So it's about increasing the probability, but there's no guarantee. So, you know, the question about, you know, taking the information, I know and maybe I'm not directly answering this, but I think it's important to kind of think differently about it. You know, should you be taking something to lower inflammation and does that, is that going to automatically save me or help me? You know, well, is exercise going to help you? Always, whether there's virus or no virus. Is drinking water going to help you? Always, whether there's virus or no virus. Is managing stress good for you? Always, whether you have virus or no virus, right? So it's more about just what should we be doing? But then you also have to kind of assign priority. Like, for example, somebody asked about elderberry. So out of all the things that you could be doing, should you be taking elderberry? <laughs> How about eating your vegetables? How about exercising and stress management and all that stuff? And then maybe the elderberry will come in farther down the line, right? So I think we have to kind of think that way so that we're doing the thing that's going to have the, the highest probability of doing the highest good for us. So then, we're, then that way helps to stay focused and not have to take like 50 supplements. I mean, that's not helpful. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you know, some of you um, who who work with us, because I see you guys, you know, on here today, um, you may be familiar with that. Yes, there are supplements that can help lower inflammation. Glutathione, it's wonderful for that. CBD, wonderful for that. Like there are things that do that. But what are you doing with your diet, right? Because if you're eating crap food that's causing inflammation, there is no amount of anti-inflammatory uh, supplements uh, that is, you know, that's going to help bring the, the inflammation down. And the same goes with NSAIDs. You know, if you're eating crap and you're, and you're doing things in, you know, in your lifestyle and your foods that are causing inflammation, you know, really there's, you know, the NSAIDs are not going to have the same effect, which by the way, you know, we all know now there's been a lot of studies that have come out to say, you know, don't take NSAIDs during this time. You don't want to be taking, you know, the non-steroidal um, anti-inflammatory over the counter stuff. You know, you just lay off of that. And if you are, you know, if you, if you do normally take those because you, you know, have like, you know, joint pain and, you know, you just have like these aches all the time, consider what are you doing with your foods and what are you doing with your lifestyle, right? Because getting some movement every day and eating anti-inflammatory foods will help push a lot of the inflammation out of your body. I just want to add one more thing. I think uh, this is probably a good good thing for uh, kind of as far as thinking and approach, right? Kind of like what Dr. B said, paradigm, you know? What, what you want to think about is strategy, not the tools, right? All the supplements, the, the, the Chinese herbal formula, you know, all the stuff are just tools. Think strategy, you know? Like we have mostly female in attendance here, so I'll use a football analogy just to piss you guys off. Um, <laughs> So, you know, like saying like, you're gonna run a Hail Mary play or you're gonna run a, a passing play to the tight end. Well, that's just a play in the playbook. But what's your strategy, right? Well, are you gonna come in and say, okay, the other team's good at this, so I'm gonna like run instead of pass or whatever. You gotta come up with a strategy and then, then the tool will come into play. But a lot of people just go for the, the tools and they have no strategy because they don't understand how this all works and how to put it together. So think strategy. That's why I did the drawing. That's kind of like a playbook. So you kind of like, okay, this is what I can do. These are different areas that I can work on. And then, okay, what are the supplements? Then you can plug that in. So don't think about, hey, what do I take for it? Think about what's actually going on and, uh, and create a strategy. And then you, you'll naturally come to, okay, what do you need to do to fix that particular problem? 
So that might be a good way to think about it. Yeah, I love that analogy. It definitely works. I think we're coming to the end of the questions here. We, we do have a question from Christine asking if there's a way to watch last Tuesday's Tribe Talk. And Dr. B, I think we are posting all of these on our Facebook group, correct? Yes, um, go to Crusaders for Health in Facebook. Um, that is our, our group that you can go in there and we are posting them. Um, it might take us a day or so to get them posted, but Tuesdays, I believe it's already up. If it's not, we'll make sure that it gets up today. I haven't physically gone in and like checked it myself, um, but you can go in and you can check the recordings as we are posting them in Crusaders for Health. We're also putting them in our newsletter. So if somebody missed it and maybe they don't use um, uh, social media, then we're also um, posting the, the recordings of these sessions um, in our newsletter. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter, and thank you, Anne. Thank you so much for having me, it's a pleasure. Awesome, um, thanks again for joining us. Um, we love you guys, and uh, don't forget, we did send out a survey to you guys, and the survey only had like five questions in it, and it pertained to how we can make this better for you, and what you guys want to know about, and we have received some answers so far, but um, for those of you who haven't answered the survey yet, go check your emails from us, uh, because we did send them out specifically to you guys. Again, we want to make this information pertinent. We want to provide resources for you. And we want to be able to do some interactive things like the meditation sessions and the yoga sessions and different things like that. So um, be sure and answer that for us. And uh, we will see you guys next Tuesday. We have a very special guest, Marcel Pick. Let me actually pull this up here because I don't want to miss uh miss some miss telling you something awesome about her dr peter khan and i both know marcel um she is a um an OBGYN nurse practitioner and she uh is the co-founder of women to women best-selling health author and she actually teaches at the uh at the institute for integrative medicine i believe and um and she's going to be speaking on the fear immune system connection and what you can do to abolish that fear and resonate with peace to keep your body healthy. So can't wait to see you guys next Tuesday. Have a good weekend and stay connected with us on our Facebook page, Crusaders for Health. Thanks, bye.